this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Support for today's show comes from the Reckless series by Cornelia Funk. Giving books as presents this holiday season, Cornelia Funk's Reckless, the Petrified Flesh follows treasure hunter Jacob Reckless and his companion Fox through adventures in the mirror world. You may have read Funk's middle grade series, Ink World. Reckless brings her rich storytelling to a more mature young adult, new adult reader. Reckless, the Petrified Flesh is available on Amazon, but publisher Breathing Books would love for you to find it at your local indie bookstore. For more info, visit www.breathing-books.com You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 135, and today we are talking about books released on November 28th, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow book lover from another mother, Amanda Nelson, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. I'm so excited. Hello. (laughs) Welcome back. I'm on all the books, (laughs) y'all. I feel like my fanciness quotient has increased significantly. (laughs) We we have done this together one other time, but Mm -hmm. there have been three minor concussions in between those (laughs) two recordings, um, all on my end. Probably an improvement. (laughs) Um, So welcome back. Pasha. Thank you. I am extremely happy to be here. I've done a lot of reading (laughs) in the weeks leading up to the show. So yay. I'm excited because the first book that you're going to talk about, uh, you told me about, and I was so excited to get my hands on it, which I finally did, but I still haven't read it, so I can't wait to hear about it. I stand by the way that I pitched it to you with several caveats, which I'm sure I will get into, but yes. Yes. Well, cool. (laughs) I'm going to tell you about my first book. Um, Which is awesome, although I'm a little disappointed that it didn't come out in time for Halloween, because it's full of monsters and things. Mm. It's called Oddity by Sarah Cannon. It is about an 11-year-old girl named Ada Roundtree. She lives in a town called Oddity, New Mexico. And Oddity is like a woke Sunnydale. It's full (laughs) of monsters and wild animals and ghosts and puppets that talk and control themselves and supernatural threats but like everybody is aware of this it's not like where like people are running around trying to contain these things and keep them from the general population like everyone knows about this like if you leave the house you're going to encounter um some angry zombie rabbits or an alien or some crazy wild animal like basically every day like on your way to school while you're at school like crazy stuff just happens Uh, so ada is like i said she's 11 she and her friends Caden and Raymond are having their 11-year-old oddity adventures. Uh, Ada had a twin sister named Pearl, but she went missing the year before in the sweepstakes. The sweepstakes is like this sort of competition that the local grocery store puts on, but it's kind of sinister and it's weird. And also, like, the children are responsible for getting the grown-ups to sign up for the sweepstakes, like actual like stakeouts, like hide in the back of their car. It's kind of like um, you've you've been served, like that 
<laughs> montage where he's like, you know, he dresses up in costumes and he's like, you've been served, you know. It's kind of like that. Like, a grown-up will try to run from their house to the car without getting tagged by a child because then they have to sign up for the sweepstakes. Even though it's supposed to be like this positive thing, and yet somehow her sister got picked for it and she went missing. And her mother has never been the same. She now lives at home with her uh, mom, who's basically comatose, and her father, who is an animal catcher, and her aunt and cousin, uh, her little cousin. And so, like, she and her friends, Caden and Raymond, you know, need to get out and do kid things. They go looking for the blur monster, which is, like, the scary monster that you can, like, kind of see. It's, like, invisible, not invisible, but, like, it's transparent, so you can really kind of, like, see it moving. Um, you just kind of have to go with everything that's happening right from, right from page one. Like, right from the very beginning, it starts with them fighting leopards in their gym class. Like, the teachers have let wild leopards loose to try and kill these children in gym class. And, like, that's cool. Like, that's what that's part of gym class. That's what they do. So you just kind of have to go with what's happening because it's it's totally unrealistic, of course, but it's so much fun. Um, and it's it kind of reminded me of, like, you too could have a body like mine meets Buffy. Um, and, and I don't have children, so I don't know. It's for ages. It's recommended for ages 8 to 12, but I think you'd have to be, like, a very mature 8-year-old because there's some kind of scary stuff going on including her aunt who gets her feet bitten off by a sentient dumpster, um, which is kind of alarming. So, <laughs> but yes. I mean, you know, like I, I would have had no problem with it when I was a small ghoul and I'm sure you were the same way. So um, it's just so much fun though. So again, it's called Oddity and it's by Sarah Cannon. It now sounds, tell me about your book. It sounds a little bit like if Neil Gaiman were not so, didn't take himself so seriously, like that would maybe be what that, is like does that make sense what i'm saying I, maybe not yeah. <laughs> okay yeah it's it's so much fun though okay so my pick is my first pick is called weave a circle round by kari marin and this obviously just came out uh from tour and so the way that i talked about this book to liberty when i first started reading it was that it was like library at mount char but for kids so if you've read library at mount char then you <laughs> you know what i'm you know, of what I speak, that like level of just weird, weird, weird stuff happening in suburbia, except Weave a Circle Round is like that, but several ticks less gratuitously violent, <laughs> which is a young adult <laughs> novel, so yay. Um, but there's not a lot of like people being roasted alive in golden calves happening in Weave a Circle Round like there is in Library of Um So the main character of Weave a Circle Round's name is Freddie, and she is, um, I think she's a freshman in high school, but she's 13-ish, um, and she really goes through like all of her days trying hard not to be noticed. She has an unusual, not unusual, but she has a kind of unsatisfying home life. Her mother and stepfather are never around, so her and her sister and her stepbrother are just kind of raising themselves. Her sister's a little bit younger, but her sister is also a like certified genius and is also, if I remember correctly, in high school or is several grades ahead of where she's supposed to be and is kind of like a physics um, relativity math whiz. And then their stepbrother is older than both of them. And he is deaf and goes to their same high school because like the high school for the deaf students is combined with the school that the um, two sisters go to. And they all just kind of avoid each other. And it's like a very awkward, um, the sister and the, and the brother are trying to become friends by like playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but Freddie wants like just nothing to do with it. And she really is like, she pretends that she can't read sign language because she doesn't want to interact with her stepbrother because she doesn't like him. Um, and so she's really got a lot of like, angsty feelings about her home life and then somebody moves into the house next door and the house next door is 
has always been a little strange. Like people come, they they live there for a couple of uh, months or maybe a year, and then they move out because like the house is weirdly shaped. There's extra rooms that make no sense. There's for some reason a giant organ in the <laughs> uh, top floor, uh, and then a woman named Corva Lachance moves in with a boy named Josiah who is Freddie's age, and they're not normal. Like they they talk to each other very strangely. Corva claims to be a um, like a private detective, but she's very quirky. Like she she. Um, it was like appears randomly. And then as they are in this house, the house itself starts to do weird stuff. Like maybe defy the laws of physics. Sometimes rooms appear where they were not before. Um, the furniture is maybe alive when you're not looking like, uh, it depends on who you're asking. (laughs) Maybe, maybe you're a little crazy and are imagining all of these things. Um, and then Josiah starts following Freddie around at school. He talks like he's much older than he is. And by much older, I mean like maybe timeless, like maybe lives outside of time, like maybe is a god. You don't really know. Uh, and then I don't want to like spoil the rest of it, but they um, fall back through time. Freddie and Josiah fall back through the time. They find themselves stuck in um, Viking, the Viking era. And then they jump back and forth through time for a couple of years, like a couple of years her time, but they're jumping back and forth hundreds and thousands of years into the past and into the future. And so the whole book is like trying to figure out both who Cuerva Lachance and Josiah are, because obviously they're not human, how they got to live next door to Freddie and how to how she can like stop this cycle of bouncing back and forth through time. Because when she does eventually get back to her home time, she's two years older. But according to her family, she was she's only been gone for like an hour. So that's awkward. Uh, but it's very weird. And it has that library at Mount Char feeling of like, Something supernatural is happening in this neighborhood and the main characters or the main players in what's happening are possibly psychotic or at least like chaotic neutral. And maybe I'm going to die here, but no one really knows. Um, So it's got that um, like very unsettling, but fun adventure, but also unsettling minus the roasting alive. And that's the formula that gives you We Have a Circle Round by Carrie Marin. Thank you very much. I think I'm going to read that, like, as soon well, I have work to do, and since you're my boss, I should probably say, I'm going to do my work as soon as I'm done, but I want to read that next. (laughs) Yeah, it's really, it's, like, I read it in, I think, a sitting, maybe, like, a sitting and a half, but it was a lot of fun. Now, I am a little, I am a little curious, though, because it's not actually listed as a young adult book. I know! But all the, all the references and all the blurbs are like, if you love these young adult books or these young adult authors, and they talk about her being a teen and stuff, but it's, it's like priced for an adult paperback, and it's listed as an adult paperback. Yeah, and it's from Tor. It's not from their, like... Tor Kids or whatever. Tor Teen, yeah. Yeah, their YA line is. Um, But... I mean, if you consider a YA novel to be like a coming of age story with a, a teen main character, that's what this is, you know. So I, mm, big yeah. shruggy shoulders. I don't know. <laughs> Should well, I do I have for sponsor? Yes, that would be great. Huzzah! Look at me. I can read an agenda, y'all. I got skills. So our first sponsor is Libby, which I just started using like two year uh, two years ago, two weeks ago, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. Like Jen, who is my co-host on get booked and who was on all the books a few weeks ago has been using it for forever and like loves it. So she talked me into it. I downloaded it and it's great. So it, Libby is a new app built with love for readers to discover and enjoy eBooks and audiobooks from your library. So it was created by Overdrive. So if you're familiar with Overdrive, which is what my libraries use or used um, to allow people to check out audiobooks and eBooks digitally on their phones. So it's created by that company and inspired by library users and all of their feedback that Overdrive got over you know, people using that app. So Libby was designed to get people reading as quickly and seamlessly as possible. It's a one-tap reading app for your library. 
So you one tap to borrow, one tap to read the book or listen to the book if you're doing an audiobook, one tap to return it. It's very simple um, and easy to use, much more intuitive than Overdrive was if y'all uh, were fans of that app. Um, I just like, I love it. And the thing that I really like about it is that I have been able to, this is, don't tell my librarians, but I have been able to use both of the um, library cards that I have for two different counties because I moved a couple of years ago and I just kept my library card for my old county because uh, it's not that far away. And then I got a new one in the county that I'm in now and I can use both on Libby, which is great. So if you tend to move <laughs> around a lot, you can cheat a little bit. And if maybe if one library system doesn't have the ebook you're looking for, the other one will. It's easy to search. And then you can, like I said, just one tap to read and borrow and return. So it's, it's super intuitive, very seamless user experience. And I like it a lot. So go check that out. That's Libby sponsored by Overdrive. Thank you for sponsoring the show. $5 or I'm going to tell your librarian. No, I'll give you ten. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> so you like, also you did you did really just discover it two years ago, but you can jump through time. So right. it was just like yesterday for us. That's why I keep this this youthful face. <laughs> I am excited to tell you about our next book. It is wrong to need you, uh, book two in the Forbidden Hearts series by Alicia Rye, and. I have not read a lot of romance novels. And so I only recently learned, like I thought, you know, like I know a little bit about them, but I only recently learned that a lot of the series, they don't actually include the same characters. Like I didn't, I always thought this was like a continuation. Like in the first one, like they meet and then the second one, they fall in love. And then the third one, you know, they have children. And then the fourth one, they sell the children or something like that. (laughs) But like, it's actually like, here's these people, and now, like, maybe in the same time or the same family or the same whatever, it's like, here's some other people. And that's exactly what this is. Um, So there was a first one, the name of which I forgot to write down, so that's terrible of me. Oh, Um, Kate Kate to Want You, I think it's called? Yes. Yeah. So this one is about a woman named Sadia. She's a widow, and her brother-in-law, Jackson, who is a former inmate, he's been out of the scene, missing for 10 years, nobody knows where he was, nobody heard from him. Um, Sadia was, like I said, married to Jackson's brother, and they, the two brothers also had a sister who was named Libby, who was actually the main character of book number one. But you don't need to know these things in order to enjoy book number two. Uh, so Jackson shows up at a bar after being gone for ten years. Um, Sadia doesn't even know it's him at first. Like, she's looking at this, like, handsome guy at the bar, and she's like, ooh, he's cute, I'm gonna take him home, and then she realizes who he is, and she's furious because he didn't even come home for his brother's funeral, Um, And he's thinking, I've made a terrible mistake coming back to town, but money is tight for him, and money is also tight for Sadia. She's working a shift in a bar, but she also owns a cafe that she and and her husband had together. Money is really tight, and she needs a chef. Well, guess who's a really good chef? (gasps) Jackson. So Jackson gets hired to be the chef at the cafe, even though he's not really sure this is a good job, this is a good idea. She's not really sure it's a good idea. But sparks fly, and not just from the fry grease. Um, there are some serious sexy, sexy times, but I love this book. It's very body positive. It's very sex positive. It's very bi positive. Sadia is bisexual without, you know, a discussion or, like, it being brought up, like, every five seconds, you know, like, w- the reasons for it. You know, it's just, it's just, she just is, and it's fantastic. Um, you know, so can these two put aside their painful pasts, you know, and make a future together? It's just so, so good. Again, it's called Wrong to Need You, Forbidden Hearts, book two by Alicia Rye. And she is on tour for this book with <gasps> Alyssa Cole. Yay! Good segue. <laughs> Thank you very much. So 
if you maybe weren't paying attention three seconds ago when Liberty said Alyssa Cole, my book is A Hope Divided by Alyssa Cole, which uh, is also a sort of sequel. It's the same sort of conceit uh, with the series uh, of romances. The series is called The Loyal League. This is book two in the series, but you do not have to have read book one at all in order to enjoy book two. Um, And I actually tend to read romance series out of order uh, because I have read enough to know that like they just don't need to be read chronologically. They just don't. So that also applies here. So Alyssa Cole's series here, The Loyal League, are just, they're just so great. They're historical fiction romances set during the Civil War in the U.S. The first, well, obviously, the first one um, takes place in Richmond, and then this second one, Hope Divided, takes place in North Carolina. Um, if you did read the first book, An Extraordinary Union, then the hero, Malcolm, from book one, his brother Ewan is the hero in book two. So that's how that connection happens. But again, you don't need to know that. Um, so the heroine in Hope Divided's name is Marley. Um, she has a very interesting history. She lives in North Carolina. Um, she is the daughter of a freed slave woman and a white, her white owner. And so once, um, the owner died, his family came and found Marley and decided to raise her as part of their family, which of course, you know, in the civil war era of North Carolina was unheard of. Um, so Marley leaves her mother Uh, who is a kind of healer, like an herbalist, uses herbs and stuff to heal um, members of the community and has taught Marley a lot of those skills. But then after she moves in with her white family, she doesn't really have a lot of contact with her mother and starts to lose some of that that knowledge. And so she grows up, you know, living as a lynch, which is the name of the family, uh, as a like wealthy lady in North Carolina. Of course, she's not treated the same way by her neighbors as as she would be if she were white. And um, her family is known to kind of be not open abolitionists. And watch, once the war comes, they don't straight up say that they're loyal to the union. But, you know, there's a lot of suspicion on that family. Uh, and then <laughs> and then a boy shows up, as they tend to do in these novels. Um, Ewan is a soldier for the Union who is stuck in a rebel, um, what you call it, prisoner of war camp that is near Marley's house. Uh, Marley's house is a stop on the Underground Railroad, and they haven't just been using their stop to free slaves. They've also been using their stop to help um, prisoners of war escape uh, white people who opposed the Confederacy, of which there were several living in the South, um, who did not own slaves, were not, did not believe that slavery was right, didn't refuse to join the Confederacy because they didn't think that they should die for white slave owners. And they were really persecuted. And a, a lot of them ran from the South and moved up North. And so the Underground Railroad did help transport some of those people out. Um, and so Ewan is a soldier in, um, and he's imprisoned. He escapes and ends up in Marley's, like, attic <laughs> hiding from um the confederate soldiers he's a weird kind of dude like he's um he's secretly a torturer like an interrogator for the union and has just been hanging out in the jail he could have escaped like moons ago but he's just kind of been hanging out in the jail um you know thinking about what he's done and feeling bad about it reminded me of that character from lost saeed um from lost like they have a lot in common uh, and so as he's you know sheltering in place it, waiting for it to get safe for, and for his ankle to heal he has an injury from the escape uh him and marley you know get to chatting and i can um, I, I will let you guess what happens when they are stuck together in a house alone secretly for weeks part cheesy I'm pretty sure it's Parcheesi, which is the euphemism I'm going to use from henceforward. (laughs) (laughs) So circumstances aligned to where they have to run off together, both of them, um, as the war 
progresses and Marley's standing in the family falls because some other relatives show up and don't treat her like a member of the family at all. Um, they both decide to leave. So then they run off and then you're following their adventures as they try to escape the South and the Confederacy and all the dangers that lie in wait for both of them. It's a great, great series. It's obviously like very meticulously researched. It's dealing with a lot of historical questions that are still relevant to today, um, but also the romance is like super hot and great and Alyssa Cole is the best. So that's A Hope Divided by Alyssa Cole. I know I mentioned this, I think, around Book Riot Live, but her dad was the cutest at her reading for Book Riot Live. Like, he went up to everybody and was like, I'm Alyssa's dad! I'm so proud of her! And it was just the cutest! Hugs. Oh, dads. (laughs) Dads. So, my... I have no segue for this one. My next pick is Gin City by Saad Z. Hossein. Um, that's Jin, D-G-I-N-N, not G-I-N. Um, he wrote Escape from Baghdad, which I talked about 500,000 times in 2015. <laughs> I love that book so much. Was so excited to get my hands on this one. It's about a 10-year-old boy. His name, no, his name is not any name I've ever heard before, nor could I find on the internet. Um, so I'm not entirely certain how to how it's supposed to be pronounced. It's I-N-D-E-L-B-E-D. Indelbed, indelbed, and I'm not entirely sure. I'm gonna go with indelt. And he is a ten-year-old. Uh, he's living in Bangladesh with his father. His father is a miserable man. They are living in a crumbling estate um, because of reasons to do with the inheritance. They're not allowed to sell the estate or sell off any parts of the estate. It's falling apart. They have no money. His father is drunk all the time. He's always ranting. Um, his mother died in childbirth. So he's there with this father who won't even allow him to go to school. He thinks it's a ridiculous thing to do. So here's this little boy and he's just stuck at home with his dad. But then his father falls into a coma. But not just any coma. It turns out it's a supernatural coma. Best kind. Best kind. Because we come to learn, well first, you know, we also learn why does his father is the black sheep of his family. That He's a member of this very prestigious, important family um, but his father is the black sheep, so they don't really have anything to do with him. So we learn, you know, why his father is the black sheep, but also we learn that his father is actually a magician who is an emissary to the jinn world. And, like, you know, Indeld had no idea. Like, none whatsoever. Um, but it turns out that the jinn are very unhappy with his father, and he, now he's in a coma, and they have decided to play a little game, and they are on the hunt for Indelt. And so now he's on the run with his cousin and they find themselves in the center of a centuries-old feud which involves, you know, magic and other worlds and they're running around through this city trying to get away. Um, there's uh, He uses a lot of Arabian mythology, like makes it his own. It's fantastic. Um, but he, like, Saad Hussein is so smart. Like, Nick Harkaway really digs him. And, like, Nick Harkaway is probably one of the smartest guys I've read. So, like, if he's digging on him, like, I know, like, this guy is super smart. But, I mean, this book is almost 500 pages. It's so much fun. So much strange stuff going on. Um, I'm afraid, like, I think I talked about too much of the plot of Escape from Baghdad last time. So, I really don't want to give away anything else about this book. But, again, I will just say that it is called Jin City. And it's by Saad Z. Hossein. And now I'm going to tell you about our sponsor. Which is City of Brass by S.A. Chakaborde, which I talked about two weeks ago on the podcast. And also have tons of gin in it. 
Yes. With a D. It's, it's so good. Let me tell you again what it's about. As a con woman in the streets of 18th century Cairo, Nari does not believe in magic. She relies on her wits and her healing talents to survive. But when she accidentally summons a sly, darkly mysterious jinn warrior during one of her cons, she's forced to question everything she believes. He tells her that across the hot, windswept sands of the Middle East lies Davabad, the legendary city of Brass, home of six jinn tribes and simmering with old resentments threatening Nari's ancestral home. There's a reason they say to be careful what you wish for. It's a spellbinding debut novel for readers of The Golem and the Ginny. Ginny. Yeah, Ginny. I was like, that doesn't sound right. Let me try Sorry, Kyle. Let me try that again. It's a spellbinding debut novel for readers of The Golem and the Ginny, The Grace of Kings, and Uprooted, and is inspired by the author's extensive research into 18th century Middle Eastern history, culture, and folklore. I actually went to see her um, for the launch of this book at Word when I was in New York City, and she is so heavily into her research. It's awesome. Like, I was just so excited listening to her talk about how excited she is to research, like, 18th century Middle Eastern history, and, like, she knows about everything. It's so fascinating, and it really shows, like, how much she loves it in this book. And her whole writing group was there cheering her on. That was really cool. And also, she has a little a little girl who was, like, she was, like, a plant in the audience, because every time her mom would tell a joke, like, the audience would laugh, and then you'd hear this little, ah, ha, 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 like, after the fact. It was hilarious. I was like, she was so great. Plus, she was introducing herself to everybody. She was so cute. So, again, the book. Back to the book. It's called The City of Brass. It's by S.A. Chakabordi. And it is available now wherever books are sold. We will have a link to it in the show notes. Now, Amanda, take it away. I... Oh, I almost said your title for you. I was like, I love this book. <laughs> oh, you did read it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was the other one that I had on the agenda that you did, oh, that you didn't get to. So, <laughs> slight segue. We can talk um, about it again. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, this was kind of like a dead week for new releases a little bit. So, I my last two picks, I went back a few weeks to talk about. Uh, so, they're not back. I mean, they're still new releases. This first one came out November 7th. Um, so, I made sure that they hadn't already discussed the titles on the show before. Um, but I loved this book so much. It's it's called Jade City. It's by Fonda Lee. Um, and like I said, it came out on the 7th. Uh, it's from Orbit. And it's the first book in the Greenbone saga, but I haven't seen news or talk or anything of the second one. So, I don't know uh, if the second one is happening. I hope it is because this is so great. So, if you've heard anyone talk about this book already, then you've probably heard this pitch, which is that it is a... Um, supernatural, urban fantasy, Asian-inspired kind of version of The Godfather, which is exactly what it is. And it's so great. Like, it has that... Um, when I went into it, I'm used to, like, urban fantasy novels being sort of fast-paced, but this one is not like that at all. It's very much like The Godfather, um, the movies. I've read the book, but I don't remember anything about the book. So I'm talking about, like, the three movies. Um, in that, it's, like, a very slow burn, and all of the intrigue from the crime families, like, you get really down into the, the like, nitty-gritty details of, um, like drug transactions and who knows who and who betrayed what and where the gun was and like all this kind of stuff all these really intricate details and how it affected their relationships and like it's multi-generational um so it it is very much like the godfather even in in the in a way that it's like slow it took me a long time to get through but i enjoyed like all of it so um there's not really a main character so much as there is a family and the family is called the Calls. They live on an island. I think it's an island. Yeah, an island um, country called Kikon. And they are like 
I mean, they're just a big crime family, basically. Um, they, what is it called? The No, do you remember the name of the gang? No, I don't. I remember. don't. Yeah, no, it's nothing. I have the book. I'm not gonna look. Anyway, they're um, they have they're the the head family of a, a big gang. The city is split into their gang and then another gang called the Mountain. And their two gangs are historically actually allies. So they um, the city had a big political kind of civil war where the people who had the ability to wear jade in this world, jade is magical. You can it's mined, it's uh, traded, and there's a it's stolen. There's a, a big um, black market for it but it's also like almost uses currency and people either can wear it and those people are called green bones and when they wear the jade it enhances their fighting capabilities and also like their perceptions uh they get super strong they have the ability to like read other people's not minds but like perceive their feelings and like their heart rate and that sort of thing um so you can either handle it or you can't like you, you can't touch it it drives you crazy um it gives you something they call the itches where you just like drag your skin off um and so People who, green bones, in this culture were historically regarded as less than everyone else. And so um, there was a big rebellion. The green bones rose up and um, redid their whole society, essentially. And then the the two patriarchs who... Uh, were the who are now the heads of these families were friends during this rebellion and kind of led it. And then after the rebellion was over, they split off into their own gangs because they had kind of differences of opinion about how Jade should be handled and how the, the country should be run. Um, and now they have like a quiet stalemate of peace, but um, it that's all about to change. So they discover that the Mountain Clan is underwriting all of their... Um, operations is also like secretly smuggling jade out of the country to other foreign countries which is a big no-no and so it's like you're, you're watching this family which consists at the moment of the patriarch who is aging and unable to run the family anymore um so his grandson is now in charge he's called the pillar so the son his brother who is like his um war person like the person who goes at wartime consulary is like the only thing i could think of from the godfather who's like the person who runs his army essentially and then his sister um who runs the business side of things and they they're very young they're kind of new to you know running a crime family even though they grew up in in the family and they have to defend their territory also all of the people the families and the people who live in the city who are loyal to them who are now under attack as this war breaks out and it's just this slow burning like just epic. It's epic. It's this epic story of a country and a, a history and a family and um, these generations of people trying to build something and then watching it fall apart and then having to defend it. Like, it's just so fascinating. I loved it so much. Um, so, yeah, that's Jade City by Fonda Lee. Speaking of Jade. hey, My last pick. <laughs> I just wanted to mention this one real quickly. Like we mentioned, not a whole lot of new releases going on, like big, well-known new releases. Um, but I am glad that I found this one because it was quite delightful. And now I've completely blown the segue because I spoke too much in between. <laughs> my last pick is called The Green Hand and Other Stories by Nicole Clavou. It's She's a French writer and cartoonist. Um, she worked mostly in the 1970s. Uh, she did artwork for heavy metal. She does this sort of trippy, um, magical mystery tour kind of weird illustration. Just absolutely gorgeous stuff. Quite a bit like our crumb. Um, and these are these beautiful illustrated stories that she wrote. And she has another contributor who wrote them, but she has illustrated them. Um, one is about a woman who um, literally 
gets a green hand, like, the green hand is in, in French is, like, the same thing as, like, a green thumb. She buys a plant that, like, talks to her, and she brings it home, and she's so happy, and she paints her hand green because she wants to have a green hand and do well with this plant, but then she leaves it alone with her roommate, who is a very large, depressed bird, and he pours, <laughs> he's he's just mean to the plants, um, and it's very strange, and, and um, there's one about this family tradition, which actually reminded me of a Kids in the Hall skit that I had seen, where it's, like, tradition to, like, off other members of your family. Like, it's your responsibility, like, at a certain time. Um, which is kind of ghoulish and, and hilarious. There's a Snow Whitish sort of one about a baby who has an evil stepmom. So she runs away because um, the, the queen says for her, you know, henchmen to do away with the baby. But instead they let her go in the woods and she goes and lives in this abandoned building. Um, the, and, I, you know, I was, like, started reading and I was, like... These are actually kind of quite tame for the R. Crumb, like, comparisons. And then, like, the very next story I read was one about the liberal use of body fluids. And I was like, okay. <laughs> there it All is. right. I take it back. Um, that was interesting. But, I mean, they're, like, sexy and weird. Um, if you love art and art history, especially, like, in comics, she's definitely an artist not to miss. Plus, it has an introduction by Daniel Close, who wrote Ghost World, which is just so fabulous. And again, it is called The Green Hands and Other Stories, and it's by Nicole Clavieu. Okay, my last one. I don't know why I just did like a rave right there. That was a little weird. So <laughs> my last pick for you guys is The Afterlife of Holly Chase, uh, which came out at the end of October, but is very seasonally appropriate. So I picked it anyway. Um, it's a YA, gender-flipped retelling of A Christmas Carol. All of those things are very much relevant to my interests. So the main character's name is Holly, and she's a teenager. She's uh, 17. She's 17 in the book, and she is terrible, like the worst. She's just the worst. Um, she's the daughter of a famous Hollywood filmmaker. Her stepmother um, was kind of a Zoe, what's her name, that like famous stylist whose name is completely leaving my brain right now. She had her own TV show. Anyway, her stepmother was like that, like a uh, kind of snooty um overly pressuring Holly to look a certain way, kind of Hollywood stylist to the stars or whatever. Uh, And then her stepmother dies uh, during a botched plastic surgery. And Holly goes on trying to live her life for uh, like about a year or two. Uh, She's just a mean girl. Like she's mean, rich, racist, horrible person who then gets hit by a car. And so you can kind of, yeah. And oh, I laughed. I'm sorry. No, you're, you are very much like, yes, just run her over again. Like reverse, just continue with, she gets hit by a car on her way to yoga. Like, yes, thank you. Um, and so she is the Scrooge of this story, right? So before she's hit by a car, the, the, uh, the night before, she is visited by the Marley of her life, which is her dead stepmother, who tries to tell her, like, you have got to change the way that you treat people. And then the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future come and like show her you know the whole thing if you you are i don't need to explain the christmas carol to you um and so but the the difference between holly and ebenezer is that holly fails to change at all like she completely dismisses it as a dream or like a fantasy that she's having in her brain or a fever dream she wakes up and is like bump that and continues to be awful and then she gets hit by a car um and so that all happens in the first chapter the actual story starts then and so what once she dies she wakes up again in new york and then she has to work for what is called Project Scrooge, which is the company that runs, that like every year picks a new Scrooge and she has to work as the undead ghost of Christmas past. So that is her job now. So she does it for several years uh, until the year where the book opens. Um, 
they have chosen a new Scrooge who is like a super attractive 17-year-old boy in New York who Holly has to like invade his life and get to know all of his memories and everything about him so that she can do the whole, you know, Christmas night performance and be his ghost of Christmas past. But she likes him. And she also has not changed. Like, she's still awful. She's a still horrible person. Um, and so she kind of, you know, looks past how this Scrooge is the worst um, because he's 17 and cute. And she hasn't talked to anybody her own age in, in all of these years that she's been working as the undead ghost of Christmas past. Um, and so I'm not going to tell you anything about the ending or whatever, but it's very heartwarming. And there's a lot of snow. You know, it's just seasonally appropriate. And instead of maybe doing a 15 millionth reread of The Christmas Carol, uh, try this one. It's a, it's like a, just a fun, updated, you know, version for millennials, I guess is what I'm saying. There's a lot of cell phone usage. So that's The Afterlife of Holly Chase by Cynthia Hand. Are you going to go watch that Dan Stevens movie? I probably will because I'm predictable. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I can't admit to being a Christmas Carol fan. No, that's fine. No. I mean, I don't necessarily. But this still sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It's not my favorite Dickens by any means. Um, like, I find him to be his weakest when he's deeply moralizing and self-righteous, which is obviously what the Christmas <laughs> Carol is. It's just nothing but self-righteous moralizing. Um, I just happen to agree with the moralizing, so it's, I can palate, you know, it's like palatable, but no, it's not. It's not my favorite. Okay, so those are the books that we have read. What <laughs> are you going to read next? There was never a more stressful question to exist really? in the world. Yeah, I'd like, uh, okay, so what, I have an answer. It just like makes You don't me have to answer. Pause. You can be like, pass. No, this. Autumn is what I'm going to read next, the Ali Smith. <gasps> um, ooh, yay. That's a, that's a hopeful sound. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love her so much. Well, it was, you know, short, it was shortlisted, longlisted, whatever, for the man booker. And then the, yeah. the, the second one comes out. It's already out in the UK, I think, but it comes out here yeah. early, um, early 2018, which I'm probably going to talk about on this show. Um, so I just started it and I'm really, I'm liking it a lot so far. I've never read any Ali Smith. She's one of those <gasps> authors who's just like out there in the peripheral of my knowledge of, you know, Britlet and excellent writers who I've just haven't gotten around to. So I'm really happy to finally be reading her. What about you? I'm reading something called The Mannequin Makers by Craig Cliff, which is not, sadly, a prequel involving Emmy in Hollywood from the <laughs> 1980s movie. I love that movie. But it is, like, this weird, like, sort of fairy tale that takes place in New Zealand in 1903 about these two mannequin makers, this one who has lost his wife and he's raising his two twin daughters secretly to become, it says here, the human mannequins in the world's most lifelike window display. So I just started it. Um, it's And then when I put it on the internet, a bunch of people were like, that book is, that author is so great. So I'm super psyched. Maybe I'll love this and then I'll read some more of his stuff. It'll be good. Mannequins. Mannequins. <laughs> all right. So that is all for today. Thank you again to our sponsors, Reckless Series by Cornelia Funk. Visit breathing-books.com for more information. To Libby Overdrive's new one-tap reading app, visit meet.libbyapp.com for more information. And to The City of Brass by S.A. Chakabordi. We will have a link to all of these in the show notes. You can also drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. And you can find us on Twitter. I am Miss Liberty. And you are, I can never remember if you are I am Amanda Nelson or I'm Amanda Nelson. It's I'm Amanda Nelson. I'm Amanda Nelson. All right. And if you want to give us a treat, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people 
find their way to our show. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, or just out in general, we don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And Amanda, do you know how we close the show? I know. Okay. We're going to say happy reading at the same time. Are you okay. ready? I'm ready. Okay. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Thank Bye. You.